Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings of God be upon you and welcome to a very special edition of the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam Radio, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or inner peace. I invite you to get involved in the conversation here on the Pathway to Peace show. You can do this by tweeting at Voice of Islam UK using the hashtag VOI Peace. That's VOI for Voice of Islam followed by the word peace. Hashtag VOI Peace to let us know your thoughts and comments. Today, we find ourselves in a world deeply affected by the ongoing conflict in Israel and Palestine. A situation that carries grave implications for all of us. The scale and nature the scale and nature of this conflict are not only deeply concerning, but have also given rise to a dire humanitarian crisis. In his most recent series of Friday sermons, beginning on the 13th of October 2023, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmed, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has been addressing this critical matter. His message has been one of unwavering condemnation for the loss of innocent lives on both sides of the conflict. His Holiness has called upon the world powers to join forces in de-escalating the situation and to seek a just and lasting peace. In the spirit of unity and compassion, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in the UK organized a special event uh, th titled Prayers for Peace on the 5th of November 2023 and at the time of this show broadcasting live. We've actually just come from that event itself. The event took place at the Battle of Fatou Mosque, and the aim was to bring communities together, standing in solidarity and offering prayers for the innocent victims of this conflict while advocating for a lasting and peaceful resolution in the region. Today, we delve into this event a bit further. And over the next hour, embark on a vital discussion. We will explore the significance of such initiatives and the role of communities in advocating for peace. Joining us as we navigate, join us over the next hour as we navigate through the call for harmony and justice in these challenging times. Joining me as always is my peaceful pal and distinguished co-host, Mr. Arif Khan. And also joining me today, we have a very familiar voice here on the Pathway to Peace show. Some of you may have heard him, Mr. Kaleem Anwar. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you both. Before we dig into the details, I want to get your immediate thoughts of the event that we just had the privilege of attending. Uh, again, for our listeners, it took place just a short time before we, re we went on air with the live broadcast on the 5th of November, 2023. Kaleem, I'll start with you. Your initial thoughts on the event. So... I'd seen on, um, on um, well, I was going to say, formerly known as Twitter, obviously now X, I'd seen some, a, some, a similar initiative, uh, a, a, an event like this, where it brought together um, you know, a cross-section of the community from all faiths. There was an event that took place in Israel, in, in, in the sort of city of Haifa. And, um, and I remember thinking, what a, a fascinating you know, initiative, a brilliant initiative. And and I've seen so you know, obviously those who sort of you know subscribe to the accounts can see you know and there are obviously video sort of footage from that <clears throat> you know well into the hundreds in terms of the attendance 
naturally being in naturally being in in Israel, you know, so there were hundreds of of, of Jewish members there, as well as members of the Amdi Muslim community, and you could see it. You could see on their faces that that just that heart yearning sort of you know wish for sort of the conflict should come should, should sort of subside should come to an end because it's 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 becoming painful now and and so, so seeing this happening in london you know hundreds of miles away across you know happening in our, in our doorstep i sort of saw the similar thing because you could see a cross section of the community people from all faiths um, you know, dear friends, dear friends of the, of the community. You know, and, and and many people have just come for the first time. I know there was a group there from North London that came, so literally they took that journey. You know, li- literally the whole the whole northern line basically to come right to right to Morden, and um, and you could see it in people's faces. You know, they they people want this. It's to come to an end now. It's too much, and it's. I think you could see the pain. I think in, in people's faces. Definitely, it was. Um it was definitely an event that it gave, gave me hope. And as you mentioned on X, there's there's multiple footage going around uh, around this event, a similar type event that went uh, that happened in Haifa uh, probably in the last last few days or so. Uh, and it was just really inspiring to see uh, everybody coming out. It, it really shows that that genuinely there is a concern worldwide by humanity at large about the events that are happening. Uh, unfolding before us in Israel and Palestine. Arif, your thoughts on the event? I think it's given me hope for the future, really. I think a lot of us are feeling very helpless and hopeless at home, sitting, watching the news, seeing the continuing ongoing destruction with no real sign of de-escalation. I think it actually gave hope. There were two things that really stood out for me. The first one was there, within every community, there are peacemakers. You know, this this simple narrative of this being about Islam versus uh, Judaism in some way, or one group of people whether uh, you know, versus another. That narrative does not hold. This is not about religion. You had people from, you had Muslims, and you had those of the Jewish faith equally denounce the the atrocities that have occurred on both sides. And I think something that really stood out for me was one of the one of the distinguished speakers. His role, one thing he's known for is highlighting the role of Muslims in protecting Jews during the Holocaust. So there are some people who are not just tolerating each other, but they're actively lifting each other up. I thought that was very powerful. And the second thing for me, I think the use of many of the scriptures, we'll talk about scriptures and extracts and poems were read by children. And I think that was done very deliberately because there is a horrific stat that a child dies every 10 minutes mm. and, and you know in this conflict right now and of the... It's believed that half of those who have died um, on the Palestinian side have been children. So there's a link between children and this conflict, sadly. And having uh, you know children be the voice giving us hope and, and inspiring us, I thought, was very moving. Yeah, indeed. And and one thing that I learned while we were sitting there, Arif, I know you were sitting on one side and then gentlemen on the other side of me. As some of the kids were getting up to, to do their recitation from from the various scriptures, he pointed out to me, that the select and he's on the national executive board for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in the UK. Uh, he mentioned to me that the names were very specifically chosen, as they were very um, that they're from that region. Yeah, I guess is the best way to put it. So you heard names like Mikhail and um, some other names. The, Mikhail stood out to me, um, and I think that's when he nudged me and he's like, "Do you notice something about the names that were selected to mm. do these recitations?" But uh, for the benefit of you, our listener, uh, we want to kind of spend the next few minutes of the program kind of going through kind of the agenda and what was discussed. And Galim and Arif, feel free to jump in at any point in time. Obviously, the event started with 
with a uh, significant, um, as every event does of the Amdi Muslim community, but today in particular with the, the recitation of the Holy Quran and the verse that was chosen, um, if either of you have that up, if we can just go through the translation of uh, Surah Al-Maidah, chapter 5, uh, verse 9, uh, and, 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 and give at least a gist of, of that Quranic verse, uh, which was immediately followed by uh, something that we, we've become accustomed to that is often a tradition here in the UK, is a moment of silence. And today it was, it was really heartwarming to see the whole uh, hall stand up uh, for not just one minute of silence, but for two minute, two minutes of silence, and it was uh, we uh, remembered those that have been lost, uh, not on one side or the other, but for all innocent civilians, for mothers, children, fathers, and for those hostages that are being being held on both sides again, um, and uh, we spent two minutes in complete silence. Uh, the immediately following the recitation of the Holy Quran. So chapter 5, verse 9, Arif, yep. what does it say? <clears throat> it says, O ye who believe, be steadfast in the cause of Allah, bearing witness in equity, and let not a people's enmity incite you to act otherwise than with justice. Be always just, that is nearer to righteousness, and fear Allah, surely Allah is aware of what you do. So this verse, Arif, I know we've discussed it many, many times on our program. It's one that His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, may God strengthen his hand, uh, continuously references whenever he goes uh, on his tours and talks about peace and justice. This this verse often comes up, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it narrates, it relates very well to the situation we're in right now because it's really saying that don't let, don't let be provoked into going beyond. Don't be provoked into actions that lead you to act in an unjust way. Mm. And, you know, arguably that's actually what's happened on both sides of this conflict, really. Both sides have been provoked through different uh, acts over the over the years that have led to this escalation. So actually it's exactly that. It's saying don't, you know, lose sight of your moral fibres. And I think one thing that was highlighted as well is that you know, the actions of, um, you know, both Hamas and Israel go against their own religious scriptures and teachings that they claim to follow as well. So that was something that was emphasized as well. So this verse specifically says, you know, don't allow someone's behavior to make you react in a way that is you know, unjust. Just sort of following on from that, um, you know, it will, as you mentioned within that verse, righteousness is, is a key word there. And and that, 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 that word sort of comes up time and again within the Holy Quran. And it's and even as youngsters, you know, I suppose much into adult life, you sort of appreciate what that word is about, what it stands for. And I guess that word righteousness um, in Arabic, taqwa, you know, loosely translates as the fear of God. You know, have the fear of God whenever you sort of you know carry out a particular action. And um, I don't think I'll be honest. I think for me personally, I don't think until you sort of you start, you grow older and you realise, you know, the what, what that what that encapsulates, what that encapsulates basically mm-hmm. that. It's not so much, you know, fearing a god of of um, out of how can I put it as if it, as I'm using really crude analogy here, as if you're sort of fearing a monster, but rather the the, the driver there is you know it's fear of the displeasure of, of of your lord basically, and and I think I suppose as you know as we, you know we the closest maybe of, of, of a feeling to that is as you if you sort of displease a parent, a loved one, you know. Deep down, you feel you feel some sort of sense of regret there, and that's probably quite a high level to attain. That knowing that you're fearing, and you you don't you know you you 
if you haven't experienced, you know, you don't you, you, that, that proximity of God, you haven't you haven't developed that relationship. It's quite hard to sort of to really sort of digest that. But that's the that, I guess that is, that is what, what Islam is telling you know us as, as humans to develop that relationship and to to such a degree that every action that you do, you'll you know be conscious of the fact that are you is what you're about to embark upon will that entail sort of the, the, the loss of his love? And it's a, it's a, that word itself, I think, has a really deep meaning, I think. Very, very powerful indeed. You're listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. We invite you to get involved in the conversation. We are talking today about an event that took place at Britain's biggest mosque, uh, the Battle of Mosque, on the 5th of November, 2023, an event uh, that brought people from all walks of life together to uh, pray for peace with the conflict that is going on in uh, Palestine and Israel at this very moment in time. We're currently going through kind of the program, what happened, what unfolded, started with the Holy Quran, followed by two minutes of silence. And then uh, a good friend of the community uh, previously served as, uh, I believe he was head of the the Liberal Democratic Party for a while, uh, Mr. Tom Brake. Brady, Uh, Brady. Tom, it was yeah. Tom. So, so we had Tom Brake, who was the former MP for the Carl Shelton area. Yeah, yeah. Tom Brady's a football player. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's back. another show. Uh, <laughs> football and peace coming soon to the pathway to peace. Uh, so, Tom Brake spoke uh, something uh, about very something very interesting, um, Kalim, and I knew nothing about it. I had to nudge Arif, but I know you. you if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've done a whole show maybe on the Balfour Declaration. Now, Mr. Tom Brake spoke in brief about the Balfour uh, Declaration. Can you explain it in layman's terms? What is this? Uh, that's often referenced, and we're hearing it in the news a lot nowadays too. Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously, I guess people to refer back to it's the origins of this sort of conflict kind of stem way back from then, where I think it was the British sort of foreign foreign secretary trying to find sort of a home, um, you know, trying to come up with a plan to sort of help settle sort of Jewish uh, people from across the, the whole of Europe, um, you know, and, you know, almost coming to an idea that they need, they need their own sort of homeland. And so this is this this sort of declaration. I think it's coming. It's been been a century now. I think in 1917, it was um, it was it was actually first came together. Round about during First World War, um, and that's where it was sort of it, the idea, the notion came up that the Jewish people need uh, need sort of a home of their own. And I think um, I mean I'm not to dwell too much into into the past. And I think that's probably maybe where the origins have sort of come from. Uh, in terms of you know, if in order to sort of home a people, but what about the people that sort of live in that? You know, it, it, that's that's where the sort of the, the sensitivities came about, um, and and yeah, and I think it's it is a shame that's you know I, I think at the time I mean this is probably going moving a bit further on from from that that is probably round about maybe after World War Two where really this sort of plan came into sort of true fruition, and various you know various what you know. Uh, very famous sort of um, I use the word politician but he wasn't a politician in the sense this was the first foreign minister of Pakistan Hazrat Zafrullah Khan and um, this is just of, of, after, the, after the, the formation of Pakistan so obviously the, the, the founder Jinnah obviously appointed various sort of you know, roles to, to the cabinet so in some ways they, they, they don't have the system as such of sort of elected um, sort of MPs but so he, when he appointed his cabinet and Hazrat Zafrullah Khan who, is a, a, who was a member of the Amdi Muslim community 
you know, he gave a sort of a fantastic <clears throat> sort of guidance, I think sort of a, almost a warning, saying that, look, be very careful about these next steps. If if we're going to go down this path, this is a path that you're, all, you're kind of opening a Pandora's box. And lo and behold, here we are, you know, mm. almost 70 years on. But it, um, yeah, I was just going to, it's, it's been very messy to say the least. The past yeah. really has sort of, um, it's, it's paved the way of which, in, if, you know, it's a, an ugly head is reared. Its head, yeah. yeah, so the Balfour Declaration was something that Mr. Tom Brake mentioned, and then he went on to say that there, that we need to see a ceasefire. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really, really good to hear uh, people in high places now starting to recognize the need for a ceasefire because it feels like there's been a reluctance uh uh, for people to say it, there's been a, a clip circulating on X around that just seems so strange saying X yeah. instead of Twitter yeah. uh, so apologies if I call it Twitter uh, going forward but um, Can I, um, I've actually pulled up some information about yeah. um, Tom Brake's involvement so he's actually one of the patrons of the Balfour Project which actually is a group set up to kind of um, hold the British or kind of admit that they, they haven't delivered on the promises of what was supposed to be delivered, really. So it was founded in 2008. Um, and, and the real premise is that Britain had promised a state for the Arabs, you know, in yeah. the in this in the area in Palestine, 1915. And um, but they'd also promised, you know, the Jews a homeland as well uh, mm. in Palestine. And that, that was the root cause of this. So um, in 2011, um, the sponsors for this uh, group got together and created this Balfour project to educate Brits and to challenge the government to acknowledge historical responsibilities towards Palestine. So I think that's where Tom was saying that he comes with a very unique angle. I think he said he has family in Israel right now, but he's also part of this group, which is trying to kind of correct some of the wrongs that uh, you know occurred before and to really examine Britain's sort of position on this and try and say, right, let's try and work to something. And I think significant as well he highlighted one thing he did say very clearly was that you know there needs to be a two-state solution i think he said if there's one positive that, that comes out of this whole escalation in violence it's that there will finally be a proper solution which provides a home for you know the palestinians and the jews yeah uh one of the unique things about this event uh which i think one of you guys touched on in our introduction as well is that throughout the event they had uh, young children coming up and and reciting from not just the Quran, but from different scriptures. And the first one of these came about just after Tom Brake's talk. There was a 14-year-old, I forget the name, but uh, he or she quoted from the Old Testament, Psalms 13, 8 to 11. Uh, I don't know if there's anything specific that you wanted to discuss yeah, about yeah. about that prayer in particular. Yeah, if I if I sort of just read those those verses, sorry, Psalms 12, 8 to 11. Sorry, Psalms 9, 8 to 11. Sir, Psalms 13, isn't it? Um we were taking notes live during the event, so. Okay. Uh, but let's let's get that verified. But go ahead and 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 read what you had. So. Yeah, so I'll just I'll just double checking that. So what what I see here is, sorry, um, just bring up the verses right now. Apologies. Okay, so the verse says that. And it sort of links back to sort of the opening verses from from the Holy Quran around righteousness. He says, "And he he shall judge, and he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Uh, and that they know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee." 
Um, so it just I can't help but think that it's sort of an interesting sort of the, the sort of comparisons there around you know, righteousness being key, and that and that as, as, as people who sort of believe in in God um, know that you know this you know there is some, as difficult as it can be seen you know given given the amount of you know the, the carnage that's unfolded, but ultimately there's a, a level of accountability there. You know there are people who, and that's what becomes important to sort of you know. Belief in the afterlife is is is, is, is pivotal, you know, <clears throat> because I suppose we, we we sort of shape our actions now into what they transform into the next world. But for those who've sort of lost their lives unnecessarily out of the, out of all of this, and have ended ended their lives, you know, all far too far too soon. I mean, obviously there've been thousands of children, obviously who have sort of, you know died in this, and know that, for example, you know that you know the the, the afterlife is 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 sort of an infinite life in comparison to this world so i suppose we sort of as you know people of faith from from all faiths you know our scriptures tell us that there is accountability to 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 god um and that and ultimately we sort of we go back to him in the next world it really does show like when hearing these children recite these uh different scriptures really does show that there is a common thread and a common theme you know this is the old testament talking about righteousness and and we see Righteousness being talked about throughout the Holy Quran and and, and uh, other holy scriptures as well. Uh, we also saw we also one of the themes that came out from the the next bit was um, so one of the other quotes that were read from the book of Matthew chapter five verses seven to nine. And I think what's interesting here is the if you look at the teaching of Jesus as well, specifically as recorded in the, in the Gospels, he's often teaching to those who are oppressed, those who are poor. And so if the, those verses are as follows, he said, "Blessed are the merciful, for they shall have mercy." Then he went on to say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see, see God. And then finally, maybe most impactfully and relevant for our talk today, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So you can see the emphasis there. But again, it's interesting that we're talking about the, you know, the mercy, compassion, those pure of heart. These are very um, you know, peaceful teachings. Uh, and I think it was very appropriate. That's what was uh, emphasized in the extracts. Indeed. Uh, next, we had Mr. Steve Hammond, who is MP from Wimbledon, and uh, his comments were interesting because if you look at his uh, his feed on X, again pointed out by the neighbor sitting on the other side of of where you and I were sitting, RF. Um, you know, if you look at his feed on X, his message today was slightly different. Uh, he acknowledged today that both Israel uh, he acknowledged both Israeli and Palestinian. Uh, hostilities today so he took both sides which is more balanced Um, and he he stressed and emphasized that we need to work to ensure that aid is delivered and he mentioned that we should work with our allies to have a humanitarian peace break and that politicians must work towards a long-term solution or if anything particularly that Those, stood I out mean, to me. I mean, a lot of the messages were very short and to the point, weren't they? Yeah. They were literally, some of them were almost just 60 seconds or 30 seconds. So, yeah, you're right that his two major items that he said were, one, immediate aid to be delivered to show, you know, to allow it, aid to get to the people who need it, and, and the idea of having a break, humanitarian break or pause to allow that to happen. And secondly, that politicians must work on a sustainable solution. Again, he mentioned a two-state solution uh, as part of that. Yeah, and then after after that, Kaleem, we had a very special message from the Emir of the Jamaat in in Haifa. Yeah, and this was a very touching message uh, because number one, it was in 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 the mother tongue of that region. It was delivered in in Arabic, 
um, and it was recited by the president of that region. And we did mention in our intro as well about how they had a similar event in in Haifa. Just talk about a little bit about your impressions from hearing from the uh, Amir or the president of the Jamaat there in Kababir. Yeah, I mean, what can I say? It, it really wasn't for those who saw it. Uh, obviously, the, the the event was being sort of um, streamed on YouTube as well. It was quite angelic. When I, what I was expecting to see, I, at first I thought maybe it was sort of going to deliver a message. Well, he, he did deliver a message, but I thought maybe it was sort of a sort of a speech in a speech sort of you know format. But rather, it was almost like an ode. It was, it was, it was like a prayer. It was a prayer, in fact, um, that he was singing. And as you mentioned, it was delivered in Arabic. And um, and I, I mean, I'm wondering if this. I have to admit, I need to find out that is this something that he coined himself sort of himself. I'm not sure. I'm, you know, but it was, you know, fantastic. You know, he's appealing to sort of, to become one, you know, with your fellow brethren. And I think this is what's interesting. When you think about, I've seen various sort of things said on social media about this, that if you think about the sort of the, the Palestinians living there, if they were to trace their ancestry back, you know, they they, sh- they share a common sure. heritage. They've come from the same peoples. Yeah. I mean, this, this, yeah, when I won't. There were comments that were made late, near the end of the of the session by the president of the of the Amdi Muslim Association UK. Um, or, or even sorry, I'm jumping a little bit. There was a comment that was made in, in in the session tonight about, in a way, these faiths are the sort of the, the children of Abraham. Yeah, I think that was the Archdeacon That's of it. Southwark yeah. actually. Archdeacon yeah. of Southwark, Jonathan Sedgwick is the uh, the person who said that. And I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, for me, that was the most impactful because I think <clears throat> first he opened up by saying that we have this astonishing shared wisdom. An astonishing shared wisdom was how he described the Old Testament core teaching. Now, we should appreciate that the old, like, you know, the Jewish teachings, those, the scripture is part of the Jewish faith, of course. It still forms part of the Holy Bible to this day. And also from an Islamic point of view, whenever there was, there was a time when there hadn't been a new revelation about an Islamic law, the Mosaic law was applied in its, in the gap, in the absence of an Islamic kind of teaching or injunction so there is a deep link um, and actually I'm reminded you know here on the pathway to peace we actually did a three part series around called the children of Abraham which was really highlighting Christianity Judaism and Islam and kind of showing the the similarities and I think um, for me another thing that really stood out for Jonathan Sedgwick's uh, um, talk as well is that he said how the scriptures of the time the scriptures of the time are very often very critical of those in power so, you know, whether it's, say, Pharaoh or whether it's, you know, other um, you know, ruling parties, the scriptures are, are very kind of almost rebellious in a way in terms of saying that, you know, you might be powerful, you might be a government, you might be a mighty power, but, you know, you will be called out on your behavior on how you've, how you've behaved. So that theme was highlighted. And another thing he said was that in the religious scriptures that we all share, these three major faiths share, there's emphasis placed on widows and the orphans. That also struck a chord with me in terms of the situation we see right now. So he's basically saying, in our faith, all of us are programmed to look for the the weak, the the downtrodden, those who are being pressed by uh, you know stronger powers, and and try and save them. So it's we have to all incline towards peace. Is how we've all been uh, kind of brought up. And then he brought it to the modern day as well, saying that in our own communities, 
we should tackle, we need to tackle both Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. And using those two terms in the same breath or the same sentence, I think is powerful. He highlighted, he didn't distinguish, and I think he purposely mentioned, you know, you must not mention Islamophobia first, then mention anti-Semitism, and then you know, really brought the two together. Um, and he also, last thing I'll share is he also said that when he asked the Jewish community in his area, how can, you know, what do you want us to do? What can we, pray? and they just said, you know, come and be with us was the quote, come and be with us. So he spent time at the synagogue and then he said, you know, he's now reciprocating, if you like, and spending time at the mosque here. So I thought his account and his comments were very profound. Yeah, his speech was was uh, stood out amongst uh, the other guests and I think part of that was because he comes from a religious background and he's he's representing his church and, and it was a, a religious type of event. It was really nice to see a lot of the politicians as well uh, but his, like you said, are kind of kind of stood out. His message and was interesting to me is he also quoted a Jewish prayer, yep. uh, being a Christian. So it just shows that humanity at large is really wanting to come together, wanting peace, uh, wanting this conflict to end. And um, you know, we just we just see that time and time again in each and every person that that got up on the stage uh, on November fifth at this prayer for peace event that took place at Battle Fatu Mosque. I want to break just a bit from the going through kind of the program and the events because Galim, you had a fascinating uh, opportunity to interview a guest that attended the event tonight. Could you introduce the guest uh, and, and queue up this interview that we want to play? Yeah, sure. So I, I saw a friend of mine who, who lives locally to me uh, and he, he belongs to the Wimbledon Synagogue and um, so obviously Jew, Jewish by faith and yeah, I, I, you know, it was, it was brilliant, obviously, to catch up with old friends, and um, and had the opportunity to sort of ask him a few questions and get his sort of views, um, because obviously, if, if you think if there's if there's one thing about one thing bad about social media is obviously when you if you're following certain material and you're you're in your own, you're in your own bubble, so to speak, and you're sort of an echo chamber effect, so you don't hear anything outside of your own sort of your own sort of viewpoint, you could say. So I thought I hadn't seen him in, in a while, and I, and I put some questions to him. Um, and got his thoughts on, on, on what made him sort of uh, attend today's event. Yeah, so let's take a listen to this interview. Who are, who are we? So this is Mike, Mike Friedman from Wimbledon Synagogue. Let's take a listen. I'm here at Beth Fethul, Western Europe's largest mosque, and I'm here in aid of the event, the Praise for Peace event, in support of the victims of, of the conflict in both Israel and Palestine. Um, I've come here just to check out exactly what's happening today, uh, and and it's quite amazing to see sort of a, a, a you know almost a a mixture of people from across the community coming together for this purpose. I'm joined here by Mike Friedman, who is a member of the Wimbledon Synagogue community and is also part of the Surrey Interfaith Forum. Um, I'm grateful to Mike because obviously uh, we, we've known each other for a while, and, and I had some questions that I, that I wanted to put to Mike. Um, thanks, Mike. You're welcome. Um, now, I've got a, a couple of questions um, before the actual event sort of kicks off. The first question I had is, um, what sort of, what's kind of driven you here? What's, what's, what's pulled you to come here? Well, what's brought me here is uh, I've had a long relationship with interfaith activities. I've been a school teacher and I've taught RE um, and I've had children in my classes who were from a range of different faiths. Um, I've actually taught a little bit in my own community in, in, in uh, Jewish Sunday school, Cheda as we call it, um, and my feeling has always been that 
interaction between people of different faiths is a, is really important, and it, it helps us to understand each other and to get on with each other rather than to quarrel. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's exactly sort of the experiences I've I've had sort of growing up, um, as, as you know, as part of the Amdi Muslim community. That you know, it's and it's it's sort of a how can I say it's a blessing really to be in a country where you know we have that sort of dialogue. Um, and there's no, you know, there's no sort of uh, fear, essentially, of of, of 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 worship, you know, to communicate sort of what what one's views are, um, which is a shame, I guess, in some parts of the world. Um, but if I could sort of probe you a bit further, then, to what you know, why do you think events such as this, you know, what, what is the importance of these types of events? These are events where we can meet each other, and primarily, I think that is the the benefit of them. We see each other, we talk to each other, we have social interactions, we chat about things other than our faith, but we also sometimes talk about our faith. We can share faith activities which work for both our faith and the other faiths that we're interacting with. Today is a prime example. I've seen I've seen people who I know are Jewish. I've seen people who I recognise as being Christian. Obviously, I'm in a mosque, so lots of Muslim people here, uh, and everybody seems to be getting on and smiling and chatting. And we have this way then of acknowledging the otherness of, the, of each other, but accepting it. And, and saying, well, we'll do our way, you do your way, but we can live together. Yeah, no, that's, you know, it's beautiful to hear. I guess, you know, it's it's a shame, as I said before, I guess there are other various other, you know, other places are not quite as lucky as we are, I guess, in, you know, I say within London, but within the UK as a whole. Um we, we we just we don't have the time to sort of get to the get to the sort of the, the the detail of all the issues that we see of the conflicts around the world. But I mean, if I could sort of you know almost briefly ask you that your your sort of views on some sometimes some of the narrative that's played out in in, in the media about you know, these conflicts, it's is it a sort of a religious war? But what are your what's your take on that? Well, my take is that generally it's not a religious war. Um, as I was saying before we can see each other as religious beings and we can understand that we have similar views but taken in different ways we we understand things differently but we can accept what the other is is believing and saying um, these conflicts i think tend to be much more about land much less than about religion in fact almost not about religion at all um, the the idea that you know that it's Jews versus Muslims, I think, is totally wrong. Um, it's some Jews, maybe, against some Muslims, but there are other people from other faiths involved as well. Um, it, it's not about religion. No, I think I think you've summed it up perfectly. Um, yeah, and it, it, it is a great shame that these things are sort of done in, in the name of religion. When it's, I think when you sort of delve into the facts, it, it, it really it really is far further from the truth. Um, yeah, please. Um, yes, the, the the problem with with the religion thing is that it gets it, the the people who are involved in these conflicts will very often ascribe it to religion and build up hatred against people of other faiths, which lead to 
worsening situations, more violence, more um, unhappiness all round, rather than allowing for the things to be put right. Um, and from my point of view, obviously, as a, as a Jew living in a country where all faiths are welcome, um, is the, the huge increase in both anti-Semitism in the recent weeks and uh, Islamophobia too in, in recent weeks. And both faiths are suffering because people are mixing up a, a quarrel between people, people who, about their land with a, a, a faith-related um, quarrel, which it isn't. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. I think you've, I think you've summed it up nicely, Mike. I'm grateful for your time, um, and uh, I hope you have a blessed evening, and um, peace be with you. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam. That was an interview with uh, what was his name? Mike Friedman. Mike Friedman, who is of the Jewish faith. A fascinating interview there. Arif, you and I, that was the first time we heard that. What did you take away from, from that interview? I think it's, well, first of all, we should remember he had to speak, do that interview before the event. So yeah. he wasn't able to actually comment on any of the speeches or the, the sentiment. But I think he's, what I got, the fact that he summed it up so well was first separating these conflicts from religion, because that was a theme of the night. We heard those from all faiths. Know, condemning the acts, especially the killing of innocent uh, people, um, it was highlighted as well that even under no, Islam does allow Islam does allow conflict, does allow you to, to pick up arms, but only in certain circumstances. And also, even at the time of war, the emphasis is on um, you know first of all inclining towards peace, but secondly, there's restrictions around um, women, children, the elderly. So the fact that he highlighted how there's there should be a, a departure, you know connecting these with religion does not make sense and highlighting the, the one word he kept using in terms of this conflict was land this is about land um, and then also I think the fact that again something that we should appreciate he highlighted an increase in Islamophobia and anti-Semitism so what's really happening is these conflicts are just causing people to polarize more on both sides of this there's more polarization so it kind of set his sentiments there really set the scene for the event which was all about building bridges and trying to avoid this polarization get people together to talk about now his comments about socializing and seeing people and interacting might sound you know quite low key but they're absolutely crucial because if you think about the narrative that happens in these when things are polarized we start to dehumanize the other side we start to say on this side, all they care about is this, that and the other. We start to dehumanize and it's only through meeting people such as the event that took place, you know, in Haifa as well over the weekend where groups, Muslims, Jews and those of other faiths got physically together. I think that's so important because then you will come to realize at the end of the day, we're all human and all want security and peace for, for you know, everyone really ultimately. Yeah, and he echoed, you mentioned there about the rules of war and, and, and whatnot and how... Uh, he he talked about that. It's interesting because it almost sounded like an echo of of what His Holiness the Fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community has been talking about, and specifically on the 13th of October, where he outlined kind of the Islamic teachings on war, referencing guidance of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, about strictly forbidding the the killing of women, children, and non-combatants during war. Uh, was very similar to to uh, Mr. Mike and I keep getting his name wrong, uh, Mr. Mike's message that we just heard. Uh, we are talking about a prayer for peace event that took place on the 5th of November 
2023 at the Battle Fatu Mosque, bringing people together from all walks of life uh, to uh, join in uh, prayer for those affected by the conflict in Israel and Palestine. And before that interview, we were kind of running through kind of the program, giving our thoughts, our feedback on what we had heard. Uh, we had mentioned that we heard we started the event with the Holy Quran, two minutes of silence heard from Mr. Tom Brake uh, of the Lib Dem Party, previous MP for Karsh Alton, uh, Stephen Hammond, MP for Wimbledon. Uh, and then we had a video message from the president of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Haifa. And throughout this event, we had uh, various youngsters reciting different scriptures and different prayers from different scriptures, which was really, really touching. And uh, before we went to the interview, we spoke about uh, the pastor, Archdeacon Jonathan Cedric, who uh, also got up on stage, which was followed by a beautiful poem, which I think touched everyone's heart, that was recited by uh, a group of, of children. And uh, Kaleem, you mentioned this in your intro, so I'll come back to you on this one. Uh, your your thoughts and feelings hearing those youngsters reciting that beautiful poem of Love for All, Hatred for None. Yeah, it was it was good to have something like that to sort of you know break up the break up the the session. Um, and obviously, what better way than to get sort of youngsters to sort of you know pitch sort of really sort of melodious sort of tune. Um, I, what was what was quite nice to hear, I think, was I think one of the choruses was say say salam shalom when you meet, and so you know the, the it sort of reflects the sort of the whole the, the vibe of the whole evening that this is we're trying to find ways to bring about reconciliation between two 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 groups of people basically. Um, because for far too long, it's just people have just they have their own view and and, and never the twain shall meet. And um, if you know this is the, this is what was trying to come out of tonight is we really need to start thinking about the other side. Um, in the media, obviously, we and I'm sure we'll come into it later on in the show. But the, the media sort of paints its own narrative, um, and yet you know this t- tonight was about you know trying to sort of bring sort of equals equals together really. Yeah, yeah, it was a very human event, if I can say that. Mm. It was a very human event. It made things very real, and it made things very... Like, I think you mentioned it, Arif, that this event gave you hope. It gave me hope as well. You know, that genuinely there are good people in the world, that humanity at large wants to see this reconciled in some way other than a catastrophic war uh, that seems like we're on the precipice of and what His Holiness, the Fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has been warning us of as well. And next to come onto the stage was Mr. Ibrahim Akhlaf, who was introduced as the head of the Arab desk. Um, And he echoed a lot of what His Holiness has been saying uh, over the last 20 years, believe it or not. Uh, He talked about, uh, Mr. Akhlaf talked about the distinction between what Hamas is doing and what Islam is doing. Uh, Arif, why is it so important that at this event it was it was mentioned about and and kind of emphasized the difference between what Hamas is doing and what Islam teaches? I think it's, it's there's a narrative, isn't there, that this is just, um, it was mentioned when uh, Kaleem's guest at the, earlier as well in his interview, there's a simple narrative that goes that this is about Muslims and Jews. 
and the Islamic faith and the Jewish faith, you know, attacking each other. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. The true teachings of all faiths are all around peace, reconciliation and building brotherhood. Um, and so I think for us as Muslims, it's our duty to highlight the differences between the actions that are occurring and be specific. I think His Holiness, you know, has critically said, you know, the inclination in Islam is to peace. There are certain um that under certain circumstances war is allowed but these are the restrictions and, and this is what's forbidden and you know the innocent the killing of innocent people um, you know let me just quote from what he said on uh, October the 13th he said that for the past few days a war has ensued uh, between Hamas and Israel as a result women children and the elderly have been killed and are continuing to lose their lives without any distinction his holiness stated again from the 13th of October address even in a state of war Islam does not permit the killing of women children elderly and innocent civilians. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, gave strict instructions against doing so. In the recent escalation of the war, Hamas made the first move and attacked Israeli citizens, leaving aside for a moment the fact that innocent people may have been unjustly killed by the Israeli army, the Muslims should ensure that they always adhere to the teachings of Islam. So I think he was very, very clear in that. Um, in that statement, and you're right, um, Mr. Iklavsab kind of uh, re- uh, echoed the same same sentiments from His Holiness. Yeah, Kaleem, any any thoughts? Yeah, there were some 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 real gems in in, in what he was saying, um, like real, like almost like maxims within their own right. You know, he, I'll, I'll just I'll list off a couple of them. He said, "Peace is conditional um, when there's absolute justice." Basically, peace is conditional conditional upon absolute justice. So it just it shows it just shows how how key that relationship is between these two things. It's another another sort of quote here is, "Peace is the child of justice." You know that that's how sort of inextricably linked they they both are. And then he says, and and, and another point within his sort of remarks is, "And without God, there is no peace." Hmm. So it's almost like a formula there, you know. And once again, I think it comes back to, in, in some ways. It's quite amazing how all this sort of unpacks. From the the verses that were recited at the very very beginning um, from the Holy Quran, we we talked a little bit about this about righteousness. You know, everything that we do, <clears throat> we do with righteousness and with a level of accountability. Um, and I think the, the, the this this notion, I think that, and I think I I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I think it was probably near towards the end when the, the president of the Muslim Association uh, of the UK, Surah um, Fikiyatsab, uh, he. We're, I think we're we're all seeing it now, whether or not people are sort of uh, are admitting it or not. But you know, within within the the way politicians speak, this notion of being of being just, truthful, on you know, righteousness these 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 characteristics that we we long for uh, within within the sort of the political circles. Um, we that's the very least we expect. That's what that's what can I say? It's it's the yeah, indeed. It's a uh, it's a very powerful message uh, that Mr. Ikhlaf gave on the stage today, and it was one that echoed quite clearly what His Holiness has been telling us for for so many years. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam. Uh, we are talking about an event that took place at Britain's biggest mosque on the fifth of November, twenty twenty three, entitled "Prayers for Peace," uh, where we got together brought members of the community from all walks of life uh, to the mosque to uh, remember those who have lost our lives, unfortunately, in this uh, war and conflict that is ongoing in the Middle East and those that are 
suffering uh, today uh, because of these uh, conflicts that are that are happening in the Middle East. We are going through the program and just having a discussion around some of the points that were mentioned by the various speakers. So we've just finished talking about Mr. Ibrahim Ikhlaf's uh, talk on the stage at the event. Uh, this was followed by prayer from the Torah, Leviticus and Numbers. And uh, because time is running uh, faster than we ever anticipated, uh, unless any of you have, either of you have, have something specific to point out on these, we'll, we'll move forward. Uh, after these prayers, uh, Miss, Miss Flora Anderson, who is a good friend of the community, because she's the MP for the place where the uh, Masjid Fuzzle or the London Mosque, as, as people in the UK often refer to it as, resides. And she talked about, uh, she acknowledged the events that occurred on the 7th of October. She talked about the need for humanitarian aid. Uh, one thing that really struck me, RF, was she said, the violence needs to end and talks need to really begin. I thought that was really interesting. Absolutely, and it's also worth noticing, she says we have a special relationship with her. She's also the vice chairman of the all-party parliamentary group for the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So um, it was really good and important to hear from her. You're right, she she also highlighted how she'd been in that area just 10 days previously before the attack struck. And I also liked how she said that her local synagogue, she had told them in Putney, she'd said to her local synagogue that I'm going to this meeting in a, in you know on this, on Sunday at the mosque. And she said the people of that synagogue welcomed the fact that she was going to that meeting. And then you're right, she talked about the violence needs to... I, I wrote down the same quote. The violence needs to end and the talks need to begin. And again, another thing, which is a theme, she talked about, you know, there needs to be two states established here to have a lasting solution for peace in the area. Yeah, and she made mention to something else that echoes kind of what His Holiness has been saying for, for so many years about we need to establish peace in our own communities. And I thought that was really, really powerful as well. So she didn't just focus on what's going on in Israel and Palestine at the moment, but she said it's important that we here in the UK or wherever we are in the world, we do what we need to do to establish peace in our communities. Kaleem, anything to add on Flora Anderson or should we move on? Um, other than the fact that she sort of you know, reiterated the, the, the message that we always sort of have beaming, beaming across all our sort of all our mosques in terms of love for all. And she very much, she knows that that sort of is the sort of solution really to, to in a lot of these problems, conflicts around the world. Yeah. So after her talk, uh, there was uh, another youngster that came on stage and recited from the Holy Quran. Uh, gave the translation of chapter 8, verse 61, chapter 25, verse 64, and chapter 10, verse 26. Uh, at least that's what I wrote down. Uh, anything yeah. worth mentioning on those verses? I mean, other than, I suppose, just for, for those listeners who may not be familiar with those verses, um, uh, yeah, I was just I was going to actually read out sort of the uh, the translations for them, the first one being... And, and they all, and they, and you'll, as, as I read them out, you'll see sort of the, the theme amongst all, all three of these verses. The first one being, and if they incline towards peace, incline thou also towards yeah. it, and put thy trust in God. Surely it is He who is all hearing, all knowing. The the second verse, and I was just going to say, just on that, without giving a, you know, 
time doesn't permit in terms of giving full-blown commentaries, but it's, it's, it's planting a bit of a solution there yeah. that both sides, if they're both called towards, and this, and that's what's severely lacking, obviously, in, in the conflict at the moment. The uh, second verse um, uh, it's, it says, translates, and the servants of the gracious God are those who walk on the earth in a dignified manner, and when, they, and when the ignorant address them, they say peace, which is a fantastic you know, way to sort of, you know, deal with people who are sort of you know, bringing sort of troubles to, to your doorstep uh, and then the final verse um, that was recited by the child was and God calls to the abode of peace and guides whom he pleases to the straight path so you know I, you know just it's a different show in its own right but when there when there are critics that sort of claim that sort of the Quran is you know God forbid sort of you know, harbors war and you brings about situations you know things like that um, it, nothing further than the truth you know these these verses it's full, replete, full of sort of you know guidance as to how to bring about reconciliation between you know fellow man. Yeah, moving on in the program, we reached towards the end of the evening uh, with uh, another gentleman from the Jewish faith, Mr. Edmund Rosen. Uh, RF, any any thoughts yeah, on what he, he said? I thought his speech was very significant, so much so that I couldn't resist talking about it earlier in the show as well. So. He opened by saying, you've won me over. I think he really enjoyed the, the, the poems uh, recited by the kids. But what really touched me was, first, his interfaith message was stressed straight away. So he talked about our books share... Uh, he said, our books relate to shared moral system, his first emphasis. Secondly, he said, Muslims, Christian and Jews are children, are children of Abraham. And then he highlighted, he said, my Jewish faith has brought me here today. Um, in terms of the actual prayers for peace as well, he shared a prayer, I think, that had been read out at a synagogue, I believe. But and he started off by saying that the prayer was to put in the mind of the Israeli leadership wisdom, put wisdom in their minds. And then he quoted the Quran to us almost saying that the Quran highlights that if an enemy inclines towards peace, you should also incline as well. Mm. And then the, fit, the most, the favorite part for me was he ended by saying three words, salam, salam shalom, peace. Yeah, fantastically summarized there. Arif, uh, Kaleem, anything to add on that? Uh, other than the work, it's definitely worth sort of Googling after this, actually. that he's Was he writing a book on the Muslims that had saved Jewish lives during the Holocaust? I think he said he's part of a, uh, he's launched a newsletter or type mm. uh, publication on, to highlight this. Again, something I hadn't heard about. These are the stories the world needs to hear. Mm. These are the stories of people who are, not, like I said earlier, not just tolerating people of other faith, but are highlighting their contribution to the world. I mean, I, I agree with you. We're all going to Google this person afterwards and see if we can get him on the show. Yeah. So the keynote of the evening, as, as we wrap up here on the Pathway to Peace, this hour has just totally flown by. Uh, with this, uh, just uh, I mean, unpacking everything that we we experienced at the Battle of the Mosque on the fifth of November, twenty twenty three, uh, just an amazing event. Prayer for peace it was uh, keynoted by Mr. Rafiq Hayat, who is the president of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community here in the UK. Uh, Kalim, I'm going to come to you uh, in two minutes. Uh, just kind of summarize what Mr. Uh, Rafiq Hayat talked about. Wow. Um that's a challenge. I was just, you know, uh, I think the things that stand out in my mind when he when he was speaking, and he, he was coming from the heart where he said, you know, he has his children, he has grandchildren, and he says, you know, what type of world are we leaving for them? Um, you know, it's such precarious times, and he, you know, he he said that we've seen, you know, we've seen the horrors of World Wars, World Wars One and Two. Um, or we may never be physically there, but we've read about the history and 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 and. and 
and and we've seen the anecdotes of people who've who have sort of lived through that, and obviously we're, 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 that generation is now sort of probably no longer with us. But why why is utter madness to to think we're, we're sort of going head straight into our World War Three of of the magnitude of which we probably will not have kind of even begin to think about given given the the nature of the 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 technology with with you know the the how can I say the 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 the, the ramifications of of the technical the weaponry that is in use today hundredfold upon what we've seen before in the past yeah Arif well, final g- thoughts yeah he gave us a message of hope right at the end as well he talked about how similar events be, were being held around the world he said how our voices should be peaceful and we should not raise emotion and aggravate things further. And the real theme here was around de-escalation and being peaceful. And I think one of the earlier speeches earlier talked about us having the bravery to be able to forgive what's happened in the past and move forward to, you know, a peaceful solution. And that's ultimately what needs to happen. I'll just say one line actually, because I think these were the last notes I read on my uh, on my pad, and that was, and I think it just goes back to the the theme of the event um, where he said, speaking as a president of the Amdi Muslim Association in the UK. Um, of which maybe there are about 30,000 members and he says, you know, we're a small community and effectively he said, all, all we have is prayer. Mm. We have nothing else. Yeah, yeah, indeed a very, very powerful message and it again echoed the sentiments and what His Holiness, the 5th Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has been talking about for well uh, over two decades now uh, and we have done our best to try to bring you a small gist of the event that took place on the 5th of November, 2023. Uh, it, it's been uh, an hour that has just flown by. I want to remind our listeners to please uh, pay attention uh, to the Friday sermons of His Holiness, the 5th Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, where you can get a tremendous amount of knowledge and wisdom as His Holiness is uh, for the last few sermons throughout the month of October 2023 has been addressing the issues going on in the Israel-Palestine conflict and it's where we turn to for guidance and we invite you, our listeners, to also turn to that same source as well. The Friday Sermons of His Holiness, the 5th Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community can be also read on the reviewreligions.org website and summarized on Al-Hakam and on Muslim Television Ahmadiyya, which you can find on YouTube, MTA Online 1. For all of us here from the Pathway to Peace show, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you.